Can we give God a great hand too? He's just so worthy. He's worthy of Thanksgiving every day. You can be seated. I've been coming here on Thanksgiving weekend for well over two decades. I think it's right that I spend the rest of my Thanksgiving weekend here in my favorite state to eat in, in all of America. In fact, my favorite place to eat in the world. The Lord told me you've got seven days left to eat, then I'm taking you to glory. I'd start up in Cajun country. I'd eat my way down through Baton Rouge. I'd end up in the French Quarter and die. So I'm always, it's right that I'm here. And I'm so excited about this series. This is the third part in our series entitled Lifeline. You know, how do we build this lifeline with God through prayer? Now, Pastor Steve began that series talking about prayer itself, kind of a general introduction. Last week, he talked about this whole thing of upward prayer. You know, beloved, your connection with God determines so much. And when he talks to you and speaks to you from his word and you worship him, that gives you the faith to let him into the deep parts of your life, to consecrate, to touch you. And from consecration, you go to what we're going to today, confrontation. You partner with God out of your communion and out of your consecration to change the world around you, to see that which is impossible done. So I'll title this message, this is the prayer of intercession, creating lifelines in a broken world. Before I pray, let me say this. God doesn't just want to create a lifeline to you. Once he's established that, once you're in communion with him, he wants to use you to create a lifeline for those in your life that seem hopeless, for situations. May I tell you, prayer can traverse any barrier, any distance, any cultural difference. Holy Spirit, I'm so privileged to be here this weekend. Here in Church of the King, God, our great online family, and I'm praying you'd fill our hearts with hope. It's easy, Lord, to feel helpless, to feel like since we can't talk a person down or through, there's no hope. Nothing can be farther from the truth. Amen. In Job 16, 18 through 21, Job is praying. He's just in deep agony. He's, all his children are dead. He's lost his businesses, his homes. His wife's not left him, but she's pretty much just given up. And all of his best friends come to see him. And they're so shocked by his condition, they fall into silence for days. He, some say he has elephantitis and his limbs are swollen. Minimally, he has these terrifying sores. There he is, losing, has lost everything. And finally, instead of praying for him and standing with him, they begin to criticize him. And he says this, earth, do not cover my blood. May this cry ever, never be laid to rest. Even now, my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend as my eyes pour out tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as one who pleads for a friend. Now, we know he's pointing to Christ. He didn't realize that. But here's what he realized. I'm in desperate need for an intercessor. My lifeline, I can't find it. I've lost everything. 
And I was hoping my friends would pray for me, and all they've done is criticize me. And in fact, in the very end, God told his friends, you better let him pray for you. Now, I want to talk to you about the great privilege God has given you, the power that results from that privilege, and the pattern you can build into your life practically. Have you ever wondered what Jesus has been doing for 2,000 years? He came, lived a sinless life, miracle power, died for the world, rose from the dead, and ascended to the Father. Like, what has he been doing for the last 2,000 years? What's he been up to? What's he give himself to? And it says in Hebrews 7.25, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him, to near to God. So he's able to fully bring their salvation about. He's able to fully help them realize that his death on the cross. How does he do that? He's up in heaven. He's not walking down here anymore. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for the church. He's praying. He understands that intercession through his connection with the Father is the most powerful thing he could be doing. But here's what's astonishing. He invites you to join him in seeing your loved ones and your community and your world transformed. He says in Ezekiel 22, 30, I looked around for a person who would build up the wall around their community, around their nation, around their friends, who would stand in the breach or stand in the gap before me, that it wouldn't be destroyed. He said, I looked for someone to close the gap between God and man. I was really hoping that one of my sons, one of my daughters would join me in the family business of intercession and be a lifeline to those there's no hope for. You see, many times we feel hopeless. For some of you, it's a family member that all the conversation in the world is never going to change. Maybe it's a child that doesn't even speak to you anymore. Maybe it's a parent that won't listen. They seem to be, they're dying without Christ. Maybe it's the fact that our country's just deeply polarized, broken, morally seems to be going off the deep end. Are you really helpless? Well, Pastor Jim, I... I can't see the president. I'm not in Congress. What power do I have? The greatest power in the world. What's access to the Oval Office in comparison to access to heaven? You're not helpless. You're not hopeless. This God we serve is so powerful. And the lie of the enemy is you're just flotsam. The lie of the enemy is you have no power. And through intercession, you can tap into the greatest power in the world. It can traverse thousands of miles. It can traverse the greatest pain. 
I'll start by telling you a story I told last night. I believe in intercessory prayer. And back in the day when I was still homeschooling kids, I homeschooled a young man. And he ended up being an elite military soldier and was on the way to Afghanistan in a very deadly fire base. He was a young lieutenant, first time in combat. He came to me, he said, Uncle Jim, you prayed for me since I was born. Will you please pray for me when I'm in Afghanistan? I said, I'll pray for you. Watch this. It was daytime there in North Carolina where I was living at the time. It was nighttime in Afghanistan. All of a sudden, I just felt the Holy Spirit, pray for Jeremy, pray for Jeremy. I began to pray, and the Lord said, he spoke to me. I felt this input. He's going to step on an IED. I began to pray against it. I began to cry out. Came back home, he said. Were you praying for me? I said, I sure was. He said, you saved me. One night I was leading my platoon of men deep into Afghanistan, and my foot was in the air to step down. The Holy Spirit said, don't step. Move back. And there was a detonator of an IED. Beloved, listen to me. There is a power in what I'm going to share with you today that will change your world, that will change your loved ones. I'll tell you one more story to start. One of my sons went off to play college football, 228 pounds, all of it, but he also went to a, a deadly refugee camp on the West Bank ministry. He and my other son got a terrible, terrible parasite. My other little son was healed. He wasn't. Went down to 107 pounds, dying in our arms, skin peeling off his body. Injured his faith, got mad, wandered off from the Christian faith. I mean, he let, we couldn't reach him. He wouldn't listen. He was all the way down the, the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland. Just denied. I'm an atheist. I don't believe anymore. Holy Spirit said, you're not to be afraid. At 30 He'll return. Six years went by. I was sitting in Africa. It was his 30th birthday. My phone lit up. Dad, send me a Bible. I need one. That very day, the Holy Spirit pinned him to the floor under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and touched him. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Not only are you not helpless, not only are you not hopeless, there are no people in the world more powerful than Christians because we have access to the greatest power in the land. Now let's be practical. Let's talk about this power. I love Acts 10, 1 through 5. There was a man named Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion. In the eyes of the Jews, he was one of the leaders of the oppression in their land, but he was a devout man. He feared God with all of his house. He did two things. He gave alms generously and he prayed. He gave and he prayed. Prayed continually. And one day when he was praying, 
about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, he stared in terror, and this was a brave centurion. What is it, Lord? He said to him, he said, son, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Your prayers and your giving have created something in the invisible realm that I can't resist, and I've seen that, and I'm coming. I've heard your prayers to be saved. I've heard your prayers for your Roman soldiers. I've heard your prayers for Gentiles. Now I'm coming, send for Simon Peter. The rest is history, you're saved. Everybody wants to leave a legacy. They want to leave something behind. There's something in them. If you have a lot of money, maybe, oh, my name will be on a building. Maybe, oh, they'll name a stadium after mine. That'll just all pass away. Two things create eternal legacy. Giving into the kingdom of God and prayer. And when you pray, it creates, even though you don't see it, even though you don't think it's working, you say, my prayers aren't working. Oh, yes, they are. The results just aren't visible yet. Prayer is magnetic to the Godhead. When there's prayer, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are attracted. Then there's the whole issue of moisture. How many of you know our country is desperate for God right now? Just desperate. We're, we're in a decline at times that seems like a moral freefall. Here's the good news. I'm not going to give you a history lesson, but at every critical juncture in the history of the United States, there's been what some call a religious awakening, what some call a revival, an outpouring of the spirit before the Revolutionary War, before the Civil War, and it, before World War I and World War II, at the end of World War II, in the 1960s. But here's the key. The cloud of God's presence is coming over churches all over America. Next year, it's going to grow and grow. But what is your role? It's very simple. Ask rain from the Lord in the season of rain. From the Lord who makes storm clouds, and he will give them showers of rain. This is not just natural, it's spiritual. You're in a time when you can pray, God, revive America. God, send your rain on America. I pray for whoever's president and their spouse every night. Why? I'm commanded to. I pray every night. Thirdly, prayer releases the might. Of God. The power of God. It says in Acts 1 14, and these were all in one accord, were devoted themselves to prayer together with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. They'd pray 10 days. Then you come into 2 1 through 3 of the book of Acts. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Within days, there was a church of 20,000. How did it happen? Prayer 
lights the fuse on the power of God. Prayer lights the fuse. How we desperately wanted my wife's father to be saved. When I say he was a war hero, one of the great heroes of America, he parachuted in six months before D-Day, lived behind enemy lines, reported directly to Eisenhower, opened three death camps, and one of the most powerful men in America. When I talked to him about his faith, he told me, we can't even prove God exists. He had lost his faith in all the war. 20 years we prayed for him, seeing no change. Why? Prayer is powerful. He turned 80. I led him to Christ. He died months later. Never underestimate the power of him. I don't see it working. Since when is faith seen? We sing that song, even when we don't see him working, he's working. Now watch this, beloved. One of my favorite stories, Pastor Steve will probably allude to it later, Acts 16, 25, and 26, about midnight. Midnight's a pretty important time in Scripture. Midnight, the new day has come, but it's too dark to see it. And many people lose their faith in the midnight hour because right before their breakthrough comes, it gets dark. Paul and Silas had been unjustly arrested. They'd been beaten. They'd been placed in stocks in the bottom of a dungeon as Roman citizens. And they began to pray. And they began to cry out. And they, Lord, send your power. Oh, you, you always have your greatest audience in your darkest day. It's not when you're successful that people go, oh, no. It's when you're broken and your faith is still strong. They were praying. They were crying out. And suddenly, there was an earthquake. And the foundations of the prison shaken. Prayer will shake your prison. Prayer will shake the prison of your loved ones. I'll never forget being in deep intercession over a missionary group. And the Lord told me, he said, the enemy's coming to kill your missionaries in Central Asia. I put the word out and I began to pray and cry out, protect them, protect them. A truckload of our missionaries were in Afghanistan. The Taliban threw a hand grenade into the vehicle not explode. Never underestimate your prayers. I don't care the wealthiest, the most powerful, the most influential has no influence compared to the newest Christian with access to the Godhead. May I tell you today that what ails America is a church who put their dependency on politics, not prayer. Your prayers have far more power than your vote. 
I include you to do both, but don't underestimate God. We're commanded in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. I'm urging you this, that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high places. Why? So you can live quietly and peacefully in every way. He was praying for Nero. He was torturing Christians. Your prayers shape government. Your prayers affect those in high office. Messengers. Peter was in prison. John had been killed. The church began to make serious prayer. Angels busted Peter loose. Daniel prayed and prayed and prayed. God opened his eyes and he saw that angels had been released on behalf of his prayer. Never underestimate your prayer. But what is this pattern? How do we sustain a life of prayer? What kept me going 20 years to pray for Kathy's dad? Kathy and I now have been praying for her brother to be saved 45 years. Why? How do you do that? I've been praying days. Oh, God, okay. I'm happy for you. Months, really. It just takes years sometimes. When my wife being treated for cancer and she had a stroke, told me cancer was in her brain. God wouldn't even let me pray. Told me she was healed. She was fine. But she had epilepsy for years. Every day for seven years I laid hands on her. Why? The word says there's spiritual medicine. The end of seven years she was instantaneously healed in our prayer time. Not a scar left on her brain. How do you sustain that? What about that daughter you're broken over today? What about that son that's hurt your heart? What about the bad news you just had from the doctor? What about the rift with your two brothers? The tear with your sister? The fear two of you have that your business may not make it till January. How do we pray? There's a cycle of promise, prayer, praise, and perseverance. It's the key to developing the lifestyle I'm talking about. Mark 11, 23 through 24 says, Truly I say to you, whatever, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this impossibility, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his or her heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it'll be done. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, it'll be yours. Your faith, many, how many of you are facing a mountain today? Wave at me. An impossibility. Thank you. I don't want to be lonely up here. And the fact of it is, I have multiple mountains. I have multiple friends dying right now. Multiple friends with no hope. I have a list of six of them. I was in deep prayer this morning. I was confessing the living word, and this is the key. How do you maintain faith without doubting? 
says in Romans 10, 1 through 6, the righteous based on faith says, don't say in your heart, I've got to go down up to heaven, drag Jesus down. I've got to go down to hell and bring him back up. No. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. This is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Well, the same pattern of internal belief and verbal confession that saved you also is the key to prayer. Why is it? For with the heart one believes and is justified, with a mouth one confesses and is saved. So faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word. I confess the word every morning. I confess the word every night. Because when, I, when, I, when my mouth agrees with my heart, my faith is stirred. If you only battle in your heart and your head, you'll lose in the end. I got this morning. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I begin to confess the book of Hebrews. Faith is the evidence of what I don't see. My God, you say, through faith, Sarah long past menopause conceived. Through faith, Abraham dead in his own body had children. Through faith, they conquered armies. Through faith, they waxed strong in battle. Through faith, when they were weak. And I began to think about one of my friends that was sick. I began to think about Mary when she said, how can this miracle be? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of God will overshadow you. I called my friend who lives in Louisiana. I cut loose confessing the word with him. I cut loose praying with him on the phone. He said, Jim, everything you just prayed, I've been praying the last two nights at midnight. I believe I'll be strong enough to go to church today. Prayer is powerful. Confessing the word is powerful. Listen, stop begging God for what he's promised you and confess it. When I'm weak, I'm strong. That you hear the cries of the oppressed. You heal those doomed to death. The final word is not the word of the doctor. The final word is not the word of the economist. The final word is not your news site. The final word is God's word. And we speak it. You're not helpless. You're not hopeless. You, you must stir your faith with confession. And once you've stirred your faith with confession, you begin to pray. And you pray at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication. You to this end with all perseverance. You pray for all the saints. The Holy Spirit guides you, prays through you, speaks through you. My goodness. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we're called to pray without ceasing. Let me tell you why the average Christian gets, stops praying. There are three reasons. Number one unbelief. Number two, they've waited so long it hurts to keep their hopes up. Number three, their prayer is not a conversation. It's a monologue. You feel like I'm just tired of doing all the talking. Well, may I, may I tell you, God's tired of you doing all the talking as well. <laughs> you go, Pastor Jim, why don't I hear God? You never give him a chance to speak. You just never stop. When you stop, you leave. Jesus is my sheep hear my voice it's your birthright and if you'll just slow down my a scripture will come to you if you'll just slow down you may hear the whisper of his voice you know what keeps me going 
Because when I pray, I slow down. I let, the, I let the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm 69. You say, my gosh, you look 29. Thank you. <laughs> that made me feel better even though you know it's not true. Listen to me now. These eyes have seen miracles through prayer. I don't have the gift of healing. It's not one of my gifts. But I was born into this world to create lifelines for my kids, my country, and the men I serve. Through prayer, you move mountains. Through prayer, you do the impossible. And of course, I seal it in praise. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And when they begin to sing in praise, the Lord ambushed their enemy. What do I do? I confess the promises. I got home last night after preaching and being with some of the leaders in the church. I sat down. Lord, I take refuge under the shadow of your wings tonight until these destructive storms pass me by. You're my refuge, my fortress, my high tower, my rock, my shield, my buckler, my fortress. Even when I am unfaithful and I don't have my prayer time, you remain faithful. I breathed that word in. Then I began to pray. Then I opened up my little atlas. I began to pray over the Middle East. Because prayer knows no boundaries but God's word. It sails across the ocean. It saves a young man from death. Missionaries from a hand grenade. He told them a parable. It's my closing scripture. That they ought to pray and not faint. There's an old widow and a mean judge. Finally, she bothered him so much he gave in. How much more will your heavenly father respond when you pray? Pastor Steve, join me up here, please. Beloved, how many of you need a mountain move to raise your hand? How many of you want to join Jesus in his ministry of intercession? Wave at me. If your hand's up, stand your feet. I'm going to pray for you right now. Stand up. Beloved, listen, it's easy to feel helpless. It's just so easy to feel hopeless when we look at a world gone crazy. The lie of the enemy is you're powerless. The reality is you are the most powerful people in the world. Christians, not just the Church of the King, Christians. You have access to the greatest power. Say, Jesus, I'm speaking to a mountain today. I'm commanding it to move. I'm receiving the ministry of intercession. I renounce the lie that I'm powerless. I renounce the lie that I'm hopeless. All things are possible. All things are possible. Bring me into a ministry of intercession with you.
If you're here today and you're making a decision to follow Christ for the first time, we just want to celebrate you and say congratulations. Let somebody know. We'll have links in the chat or right here on the screen. Follow those links. It'll be a short form that you'll fill out. One of our team will be in touch with some resources that'll help you start this new life with Jesus. Yeah, and the incredible thing is when you give your life to Jesus, you can let go of the shame and the guilt of your past. You are no longer living in that shame and guilt. There is hope and freedom in the name of Jesus, and there is hope and freedom for you. So again, congratulations. This is a significant decision. It's going to change your life. Yes, 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 absolutely. As a matter of fact, you know, more than half the battle is just showing up. It's so important that we're consistent and that we show up to church and in and in our relationship with God. And you know, another thing I'll say too, I'll be bold and I'll just challenge you. Man, get into a small group. Get engaged with God's people, not just his, not just the church gathering, but the people that he's provided for you to do life closely with. But just keep showing up because we do our part in the natural and then God does his part in the supernatural. Yeah, so we'll see you here, guys, next week. Bring a friend. We're going to continue on our series entitled Lifeline. So we'll see you here, same time. Same place. Bye, guys. Thank you.